Hello, this is Margaret Mack, and for the next hour I'll be reading from the January 27th through February 2nd issue of the Buffalo Criterion on the Niagara Frontier Radio Reading Service. On the front page is an article about Dexter Scott King, youngest son of MLK. He dies of prostate cancer. According to news reports, Dexter Scott King, the youngest son of Coretta and Martin Luther King Jr., died Monday, January 22nd, after what the family said was a valiant battle with prostate cancer. He transitioned peacefully in his sleep at home with me and Malibu, said his wife of 11 years, Lee Weber King. He gave it everything and battled this terrible disease until the end. As with all the challenges in his life, he faced this hurdle with bravery and might. He was 62. Aside from running the family's business affairs, Dexter King's life Hello, this is Margaret Mack, and for the next hour I'll be reading from the January 27th through February 2nd issue of the Buffalo Criterion on the Niagara Frontier Radio Reading Service. On the front page is an article about Dexter Scott King, youngest son of MLK. He dies of prostate cancer. According to news reports, Dexter Scott King, the youngest son of Coretta and Martin Luther King Jr. died Monday, January 22nd, after what the family said was a valiant battle with prostate cancer. He transitioned peacefully in his sleep at home with me and Malibu, said his wife of 11 years, Lee Weber King. He gave it everything and battled this terrible disease until the end. As with all the challenges in his life, he faced this hurdle with bravery and might. He was 62. Aside from running the family's business affairs, Dexter King's life and career also 
became part of his family's legacy. In 2002, because of the strong resemblance he played his father in the 2002 film The Rosa Parks Story. A year later, he published his memoir, Growing Up King, an intimate memoir. Bernice King, the youngest of the King children, said, words cannot express the heartbreak of losing a sibling. She's running the nonprofit King Center in Atlanta. I'm praying for strength to get through this very difficult time, she said. Another front page article, Building Clinicians of Color to Support Mental Health Access in Buffalo. Healing Hub of New York Incorporated and Say Yes Buffalo are proud to announce the launch of a cohort of 15 clinicians of color who will receive support and resources designed to increase their ability to provide culturally centered mental health counseling to individuals in the local community. This much needed initiative is aimed at addressing the need for individuals to have the choice of receiving traditional and non-traditional mental health services from a clinician of color when desired. This need was highlighted following the mass shooting at Tops that targeted the black community and resulted in the loss of 10 precious lives and community-wide trauma. This inaugural cohort, cohort is comprised of 15 clinicians at various levels of practice and includes those in private practice, fully licensed or working toward full clinical licensure. Those interested in starting their own practice and clinicians interested in enhancing their skills. Clinicians will receive an array of support through culturally centered training provided by Rakifi Consortium workshops and financial support to assist with credentialing to accept insurances, marketing skills for increased visibility, and support to assist with licensing exams and clinical supervisions as needed. In return, each of these clinicians will provide the equivalent of five hours per month of free counseling services to Buffalo residents over the next two years. These services will be provided in the form of group and individual counseling at various settings. We recognize the vital need for culturally centered and accessible mental health support within our community, said Kelly Dumas, LCSW, that's her Initials, Executive Director of Healing Hub of New York Incorporated. Our goal is to build up clinicians and practices of color for individuals to seek help, find hope, and embark on a path towards healing and thriving in spaces that are reflective of us. In the aftermath of the TOPS tragedy, we identified a need for culturally sensitive mental health services in our community. And we were thrilled to partner with Mrs. Dumas and Healing Hub of New York Incorporated to get this program off the ground, said Say Yes, Buffalo CEO David Rust. It makes a huge difference when the person offering support has a shared cultural background as the person receiving support, especially when we're talking about actual acute racial trauma. Services will be provided out of various locations to include Say Yes Buffalo, Villa Maria College, Harvest House Ministries, Zion Dominion Global Ministries, Martha Mitchell Center of Buffalo Municipal Housing Authorities and Northland Workforce Training Center. The organization encourages those struggling with mental health challenges or those who know someone in need of support to reach out and take the first step toward wellness. For more information, please visit www.com 
healing h u b hub n y dot org. That's www dot healing hub n y dot org, or contact seven one six two o two eight four one five for inquiries. Another front page article is a tribute to Mary Snell Davis. This is written by Gary Earl Ross, Professor Emeritus, University at Buffalo. Tribute to Mary J. Snell Davis. Sometimes a person's true calling in life comes early, in young adulthood or even childhood. For Mary J. Snell Davis, the call came later during her work as a clerk at Empire State College. When station management approached her because she had been writing community-centered political articles for the Challenger. Despite a lack of formal training in broadcasting, Miss Davis did well enough on WUFO and focus of the talk show on as sole host. Thus was born the Mary Davis Show, which eventually found its radio home at WGR and expanded to public access television. The first African-American woman to host show in the Buffalo area, Miss Davis was trailblazer who became a legend. For more than three decades, with her signature sweet voice and tireless interest in community affairs, the black community, and broader western New York, Mary ta tackled current events with an admirable fearlessness and determination. Human rights, poverty, education, social services, the arts, the law, and politics, especially politics, were the subjects she explored weekly with com commentary panels composed of local and often national service providers, scholars, lawyers, writers, politicians, and just plain folks who had something to say. No stranger to controversy, she stood her ground against those who would diminish her. Mary's mission was needed advocacy and to give voice to the voiceless. During the pandemic, her shows moved online for a time in both audio and Zoom format. She will live on through Audible and YouTube. Born in Buffalo on August 20th, 1937, Mary J. Snell Davis entered eternal rest on January 10th, 2024. The loving daughter of the late Howard and Ruth Snell, Mary was the devoted wife of the late Shirley L. Davis and the late Howard D. Stenzel. The grandmother of Albert D. Richardson and Imani Molson. The, the great-grandmother of Damien and the late Sana Richardson and the sister of the late Margaret and Howard Snell, other family, and many friends. Relatives and friends may visit True Bethel Baptist Church, 907 East Ferry Street, Buffalo, on Saturday, January 27th. That's already passed from, 11, from 10 to 11. Interment is at Mount Calvary Cemetery. Mary will be remembered for always putting her family first. In lieu of flowers, donations may be made to your charity of choice. Next article, Art of the Ride. This is front page also. Celebrating African American in the Arts and Equine Therapy Advocate Edwin Gadsden. And there's a picture of Edwin Gadsden mounted on a horse. In celebration of Black History Month theme, African Americans in the Arts, the African American Veterans Arts and Cultural Corporation, in partnership with the 
Janetta Cole, AMVETS Post 24, proudly brings you Art of the Ride, hosted by Frank Merriweather Jr., Branch Library, from February 4th to February 8th. This event promises an exceptional exploration of equine therapy, spotlighting the extraordinary Edwin Gadsden. Edwin Gatson, a decorated military veteran with 16 distinguished years in the U.S. Navy Submarine Service, has become a prominent figure in advocating for the healing power of equine therapy. Serving as a horsemanship ambassador for higher ground therapeutic recreation for veterans and first responders, and as a spokesperson for HHH Horse Healing Hearts nonprofit, Warsaw, New York, Gadsden's journey is one of resilience, compassion, and dedication. The focal point of the event is a traveling exhibit that kicks off on Sunday, February 4th to Thursday, February 8th, and will be open during regular business hours in the library's foyer. The exhibit not only shows the artistry of equine therapy, but also provides insight into its profound impact on individuals, particularly veterans and first responders. The grand finale of the series will be a discussion and demonstration led by Edwin Gadsden himself on February 8th from 4 to 5 p.m. held in the library's auditorium. The program will delve into the healing power of equine therapy, offering attendees a unique opportunity to gain insights into this transformative practice. This exciting event is not only an opportunity to appreciate an intersection of art and healing, but is also free and open to the public. The library welcomes everyone to join this celebration of African Americans in the arts and explore the profound impact of equine therapy. Light refreshments will be available, creating an inviting atmosphere for an evening of inspiration and enlightenment. Mark your calendars for Art of the Ride, a unique journey celebrating African Americans in the arts through the transformative lens of equine therapy. Another upcoming event, Career Expo Exploration Event, February 10th. Due the to the inclement weather, Tops Friendly Markets has postponed its Career Exploration Event, an open house information session at the Merriweather Library. 1324 Jefferson Avenue until Saturday, February 10th from 3 to 6 p.m. Open interviews for all locations. Apply early at www.topsmarket.com careers. Page two, we have an article, A Dangerous Trend, Skipping Cervical Cancer Screening. A growing number of individuals who are eligible to be screened for cervical cancer are skipping this important test, and that decision could cost them their lives. Each year in the U.S., 11,500 individuals are diagnosed with cervical cancer, according to the Center for Disease Control and, and Prevention, and 4,000 die from the disease. When diagnosed early, cervical cancer is treatable and often curable, says Angel Kearney, MD, a board-certified obstetrician-gynecologist and medical director at Univera Healthcare. In 2005, 14% of eligible individuals were overdue for cervical cancer screening, and by 2019, that number grew to 23%, according to the National Cancer, Cancer Institute. National Institutes of Health researchers reviewed survey data from more than 20,000 individuals who are eligible to be screened and found that 
reported a lack of access to screening. 12% said screening was never recommended by their health care provider. And 55% expressed a lack of knowledge about the importance of getting screened. The U.S. Preventative Services Task Force recommends screening for cervical cancer every three years with a pap test for individuals ages 21 to 29. For ages 30 to 30 to 65, the Preventative Service Task Force recommends screening every three years with a pap test every five years with human Pavlovian testing for high-risk individuals every five years with both types of test. Each type of screening can be done during a routine pelvic examination. Many people mistakenly believe that any examination of their pelvis includes a pap smear, cautions Dr. Kearney. Only a pelvic exam that includes a pap smear will screen for cervical cancer. The Preventative Service Task Force recommends against screening for cervical cancer in individuals who are younger than 21, those who have had a hysterectomy that included removal of the cervix and hadn't had a high-grade precancerous lesion or cervical cancer, or those who are older than 65 have had adequate screening and aren't at high risk for cervical cancer. In addition to screening, the Preventative Service Task Force recommends eligible individuals receive the HPV vaccine to help prevent cancer-causing infections and precancers that can lead to some type of cervical cancer. The CDC credits the 2006 introduction of the HPV vaccine in the U.S. with the drastic reduction seen in HPV infections and cervical precancers. According to CDC disease tracking among teen girls, the HPV infections that cause most, most HPV cancers and genital warts have dropped 88% and by 81% among young adult women. Among vaccinated women, the CDC found a 40% drop in cervical precancers caused by the types of HPV that are most often linked to cervical cancer. Dr. Kearney advises being preactive, proactive rather, and asking your healthcare provider whether you are a candidate for the HPV vaccine or cervical cancer screening. You have been listening to a reading of articles and features from the Buffalo Criterion on the Niagara Frontier Radio Reading Service. Next is a feature called Custom Built Lifestyle, Relationship, Stewardship, Leadership. Time to Achieve Goals Effectively and Efficiently, Part 1. This is written by Mr. Jimmy L. Lucas, Jr. and Phyllis A. Lucas. Hello, custom-built family. Again, thank you for another custom-built empowerment moment. The Queen and I would like to continue that path to keep you moving forward with additional tools for your successful journey in 2024 and beyond. Please remember these previous developments to continue your growth. In the custom-built lifestyle teaching is a process that guides individuals in their personal and spiritual growth. Here's how each step can be understood and executed as it relates to achieving your goals. To reach your personal, family, and life goals, consider the following steps. We will share the below three in this first conversation. Number one, define your purpose. Uncover and summarize your personal purpose succinctly. This provides a clear sense of direction 
and guide your actions toward achieving meaningful and fulfilling goals. Number two, identify what you and your family need. Reflect on the needs and desires of yourself and your family members. Consider what they will bring, what will bring fulfillment, happiness, and well-being to everyone involved. And use this insight to inform your goals and plans. Number three, align with family values. Align your personal and family goals with the values and principles that are important to you and your loved ones. This alignment can create a sense of purpose and unity in working toward common objectives. By following these steps, you can align your personal, family, and life goals with your purpose, establish a supportive and harmonious family environment, and continuously adopt, adapt and improve to move closer to your personal and family aspirations. If you are serious about your growth, your families, and your families, email us and let us know what level of leadership development you are inquiring about. The copyright material in our articles is part of some of our family career and leadership development courses. We are only addressing small bites of information. It is always an honor for the Queen and I to converse with you. Go to our website listed below and get additional empowerment information. Have a custom built week and never take a permanent attitude for a temporary situation. We do not cave in, give up, or quit on our custom-built purpose, vision, or our family. Queen Phyllis and Guy Jimmy L. Lucas Jr. contact us. Area code 7678-278-8419. That phone number again. Six seven eight two seven eight eight four one nine. The Facebook page is Custom Built Man. Let's connect JimmyLucas.com or CustomBuiltLifestyle.com. Email is CustomBuilt.com. J Lucas at gmail.com. There's an ad for an event called Black Future Friday, and it's being held at 769 Main Street, Buffalo, New York, from 6 to 10 p.m. It's being hosted by BBY Giraffe. You can get tickets at bbyg.xyz. The event is February 2nd. Next, next article is written by Eva M. Doyle, Toward a Better Life, in memory of two special women. It seems we are losing so many people from our community. Many have made transition during the past few years. Two women who I would like to pay tribute to are Stephanie Barber Getter and Mary S. Davis. Both of these women have left a legacy of work and outstanding dedication to our community in many ways. Stephanie Barber Getter worked for many community organizations and was well known for her work with the Hamlin Park Taxpayers Community Association. Mary S. Davis was a legend in radio and television as a talk host specializing in politics. This columnist honored both women with the Roses for Outstanding Women's Award for their outstanding work and leadership in making their voices heard on many issues that impacted our community. Stephanie Getter received this award in 2015 and Mary Davis received the award in 2011. 
As I look back over my life, one of the things I am glad that I did was to honor women in our community with this award. The Roses Award was given to women who excelled in a variety of community organizations. Each woman received a red rose and certificates from local and state leaders. Stephanie Barbergetter was a community activist who worked in local government. She served on the board of directors for Feed More and the Triad Association. She was president of the Hamlin Park Taxpayers and Community Association. She also was the chair of the Restore Our Community Coalition, where she worked with federal and state leaders to secure funding to reimagine the Kensington Kensington Expressway and reconnect the Humboldt Parkway community. She was a leader, a champion, and a true fighter. She was powerful, passionate, and was seriously concerned about her community. Her legacy will live on and inspire the next generation of leaders. When she transitioned, state and local leaders expressed their condolences. Mary S. Davis made history by becoming the first African-American woman radio talk show host on WUFO many years ago. She went on to other radio stations inviting guests to discuss a variety of topics. She was honored by WBEN affiliates at Shays Theater years ago. I went to the award program and Mary was excited to be one of the honorees recognized for her work. When I ran for Lieutenant Governor of New York State, Mary invited me to be a guest on her television program to discuss my campaign and the Freedom Party. Mary always invited a wide variety of guests to discuss what was going on in politics in Western New York and beyond. She was not afraid to ask the tough questions. However, she made you feel comfortable in answering the questions. I never will forget my first time on her show many years ago. I was invited with a number of local leaders discussing the state of education in Western New York. Mary Davis was a role model for me and inspired me to create my own radio and television programs. Both Stephanie Barbergetter and Mary S. Davis will always be remembered for their tireless work. This article is my tribute to both of them for their inspiration and leadership. The Front of the Roses for Outstanding Women's Award booklet included the following statement. Roses have a special place in our lives. The red rose stands out from all of the others. All the women honored with the Roses for Outstanding Women's Award are like these special flowers. They stand out in our community and touch so many lives in many ways. It was an honor to have known both of these powerful women. May they rest in peace among the angels in heaven. You are listening to a reading of articles and features from the Buffalo Criterion on the Niagara Frontier Radio Reading Service. Next article is called Remaining Awake. Why I Support Removal of New York 33 Kensington Expressway. This article is by Sherry Shirell, President and CEO, Covington Association Consulting. The question of whether or not New York State Department of Transportation's Route 33 Kensington Expressway project in its current version is actually a win for Black Buffalo will be determined by the major majority opinion of we East Side Buffalo community residents. Some of we are actual Humboldt Parkway neighborhood residents or are residents of nearby and adjacent neighborhoods. The facts surrounding the expressway's original construction and its unexplored historic negative impacts, as well as its selection for a mega project budget in this generation are needed. Here are a few of the facts. 
Route 33 Kensington Expressway was not constructed for Eastside community residents' sake. It was forced on a generation of we and many black home buyers didn't know it was going to be built. Humboldt Parkway, before then, looked like a central city park reaching all the way to Delaware Park. The parkway used to extend all the way from Delaware Park to Casanova Park in South Buffalo. The Kensington Expressway's construction destroyed Humboldt Parkway's trees and its green space. The federal government built simil similarly invasive expressways all across urban America deliberately. Over 30 urban cities have already removed or are studying removal of their 1950s era highways. Studies have proven that lives near a high-speed highway like 33 can make people sick. Humboldt Parkway neighborhood households report that their persons did contact such illnesses. A May 27, 2021 New York Times article listed Route 33 as under an official removal study that was May 2021. New York State Department of Transportation has not presented our East Side Buffalo community any removal study. New York State Department of Transportation is also refusing to produce an environmental impact statement variety of study. North Buffalo residents were aided by Greater Buffalo Regional Transportation Council. North Buffalo residents were also aided by New York State Assembly Sean Ryan. Due to such interventions, North Buffalo residents' demands concerning Skajakwita Corridor were met. Similar aid and intervention is needed in the Kensington Corridor. At least 55 million of the New York State Department of Transportation Route 33 Kensington Expressway project budget is derived from the U.S. federal government's Reconnecting Communities program, which is just one program location available for such highway removal concerned funding. According to that program summary and its descriptions, our Eastside Buffalo community was supposed to be presented with a choice in what type of transportation project plan is going to be conducted. Here, instead, our community was presented with a dictated non-alternative. The result? Humboldt Parkway neighborhood residents, healthy, health, their property values, their home equity-related generational wealth opportunity, reduction of greenhouse gases in Humboldt Parkway neighborhoods, and the Eastside community's inheritance of a central city park that formerly connected all the way from Humboldt Park, MLK Park to North Buffalo's Delaware Park are all at risk. There's more, but that's a start. If New York State Department of Transportation version project occurs, yet another generation of we will be ever further distanced from obtaining either, either of those potential gains. The billion dollar government intervention surfacing in this generation is a potentially revolutionary development. We can either seize the moment for our collective benefit or we can drop the ball and let it pass by. In this matter thus far, our Eastside Buffalo community and the Humboldt Parkway neighborhood are being dictated to, yet again, rather than being recipient of authentic community engagement. In response to the charge that right now is too late to express an imposing opinion, I would add 
the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. warned us concerning the importance of remaining awake through a great revolution. One has been unfolding while we were while we worked, lived, rested, played, perished, and braved our existence here in western New York. Highways are being removed all over the country and in locations like Rochester, New York and New Orleans, Louisiana. Residents had insisted upon that development in their locations. In Rochester, even our state senators, the Honorable Charles Schumer and the Honorable Christian Gildebrand, are furthering the removal of the city's inner loop and inner city highway nicknamed the Moat that Rochester's residents are finally becoming rid of. We here in Buffalo are less than 100 miles away. What about us? I confess that this writer's Kensington Expressway expressway removal vision extends to every single severed Humboldt Parkway neighborhood becoming reconnected again and within the foreseeable future. I mean from North Buffalo's Delaware Park to Agassiz Circle to moving southward past Humboldt Park, MLK Park, Five Acre Pond Basin all the way to downtown Buffalo's Cherry Street and to Goodell Street. Mind you, I have that dream because I know that, despite what the public is being spoon-fed fed by the Department of Transportation, short-sighted tunnel vision proposal, the agency should not be enabled to steamroll our east side Buffalo community through a billion dollar budget proposal that will sentence we fellow east side Buffalo community neighbors to be further harmed by the Kensington Expressway's continued existence and domination within Humboldt Parkway's landscape. Humboldt Parkway neighborhood residents and we deserve a genuine study of the highway removal alternative option that New York Times articles hint at. And we deserve a price tag quoting precisely how much filling in New York Route 33 Kensington Expressway would cost. The East Side Buffalo community ought not just shut up and accept DOT's project simply because it has a high price attached to it. We are not the prime contractors engineering firms, nor majority of union employees that stand to benefit. Not that such outcomes would be an excuse to do the wrong project. The correct project will come attached to a commitment to do what is morally right and that which is ethically responsible. Environmental justice is a mandate that even U.S. President Joseph Biden and U.S. Transportation Sec Secretary Peter Buglia have publicly committed to. The objective of the Biden administration is to achieve equity in transportation as well in, as in other federal aid project. It is a mandate taken so seriously, it has been issued its own name, Justice 40. Kensington Expressway solution seekers here in Buffalo are committed to the point of filming on, in quotes, in our own words, documentary series to shed light on why there is so much community opposition to New York State Departments of Transportation's proposed investment. In the Route 33 Kensington Expressway project, the opposed opposition exists because the proposed investment 
does not include the highway's removal. Another reason for the opposition is because removal supporters do not believe that any East Side Buffalo community group ever proactively petitioned the Department of Transportation for a concrete tunnel to become placed on to become placed on the Kensington Expressway or hoped for a cap and stitch project to be conducted concerning our East Side Buffalo community's antiquated highway problem. Would any have done so given a choice for a removal? What we know is that Eastside Buffalo residents and groups have been wishing and or advocating for over 20 years for a reconnection of Humboldt Parkway's severed, decimated neighborhoods. What we are dismissively handed instead of a truly egalitarian solution is Department of Transportation's current cap and stitch proposal. Please view the In Our Own Words documentary series containing biographies and testimony, t testimonies of impacted Humboldt Parkway neighborhood and Eastside Buffalo community residents. You will find it on the respective Facebook pages of Covington Associates Consulting. We are women warriors and or the Eastside Parkways Coalition. It may also be viewed at www.youtube.com forward slash watch G-O-I-P-N-W-Y-R. In addition, please sign the corresponding petition to reconnect Humboldt Parkway neighborhood and it's MLK Park at change.it forward slash DM 4K 9K SQNF. Here there is a 1954 photograph of Humboldt Parkway before the Kensington Expressway's construction along with an original 1901 Pan Am exposition map displaying then Humboldt Parkway's physical connectivity and lifeline to North Buffalo's Delaware Park. Notice that Humboldt Parkway used to extend all the way to South Buffalo's Casanova Park. To view an additional image of Humboldt Parkway's formerly majestic tree-lined boulevard, see, in quotes, project area background information at kensingtonexpressway.dotnewyork.government forward slash background ASPX for more information on the recommendations and renovation of the New York 33 Kensington Expressway. You are listening to a reading of articles and features from the Buffalo Criterion on the Niagara Frontier Radio Reading Service. Another article by Eva M. Doyle, Eye on History. Racism in America, Past, Present, and Future, Part 2. I would like to recommend an excellent DVD entitled in quotes, driving while black, race, space, and mobility in America, end quote. It was produced by PBS and it gives a complete history of African Americans who faced tremendous racism as they traveled across America. While watching this film, it brought back memories of when I was a child and my father drove us south to Alabama to visit my grandparents. He drove a big white Chevrolet. This was in the early 1950s. I will never forget how he would pull aside in the black dark of night on the road to get some sleep after driving for miles. 
He would tell my mother to remain awake and watch out for anyone who was suspicious. I was about 10 years old, and at the time, I did not know the danger of traveling south. There were no superhighways during that time. We could not stay in the hotels to sleep overnight to get rest from traveling long hours. My mother would roll up the window so my father could sleep. When I watched this film, I realized what danger we were in when we traveled south. Driving While Black is a two-hour documentary. It examines the history of African Americans on the road from the 1930s to the 1950s and beyond. From the depths of the Depression to the height of the Civil Rights Movement and on to today, this film explores deeply embedded racism and mobility in America. It gives a historical background and it really deals in reality. Jim Crow and the rise of the Klan is explored. The turbulent time of race is highlighted. It goes through racial, cultural, and political history. It is a must-see film for all Americans. It explains why blacks took most of their belongings while traveling south. They took food, blankets, coolers, and clothes in big trunks. This also reminded me of my mother who packed fried chicken and pound cakes for us to eat along the way. Restaurants would not serve us. Blacks had to travel along the back roads to avoid attention to any white person who wanted to stop them. I really appreciate this film because it features a number of African-American historians. The film was written by an African-American scholar named Gretchen Soreen, along with Rick Burns. It was released in 2020. I would recommend that families watch it together and perhaps have some discussion later. Next article is called, Is That Right? by Frank Gist. The 26th Congressional Seat and You. Much to the chagrin of many in our community, Mayor Byron Brown recently announced that he would not seek the U.S. 26th Congressional Seat after the retirement of Congressman Brian Higgins. Brown's decision is disappointing, but totally understandable. The rigors of uprooting his family at this time in his life would be a burden not worth of the effort and expense. So now it looks like Senator, State Senator Tim Kennedy appears to be the heir apparent to the 26th congressional seat, considering he recently received the Democratic Party endorsement and evidently has a boatload of cash that has saturated the airways with endless campaign ads. It's old Kennedy has so much in his campaign coffers to run such an expensive full-on media blitz. There are those who believe Kennedy has been eyeing and preparing for this move for a long time. Others speculate he received a heads up on Higgins' retirement from his Southie brethren long ago 